0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome
1: back to the Real Football Show. I'm Lizzie with co-host Gino Ganello to talk all things World Cup preview as the USMNT, Canada MNT, and Mexican national team take on their rivals starting tomorrow, Monday. How are you doing, Gino?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, it's World Cup start day. It's Sunday now that we're doing this podcast, and we're getting ready to kick off the World Cup in about 45 minutes um, at time of recording. So I'm excited for it. I am ready to get to the actual soccer of it all. Um, obviously. The politics of it all are important to note, um, but it's finally time to actually play on the pitch, and I'm very, very excited for that.
1: I truly cannot believe we're here at this point. It's Can't World either. Cup. Can't to believe we're here in November. You know, also a point. <laughs> um, absolutely crazy. Um, but to kick on, we have the USMNT take on Wales tomorrow in arguably their. Biggest match to start off the tournament. We know they play England and then Iran, but really it all stems from a victory loss or draw against Wales.
2: Yeah. I what mean, are you it, thinking are it, it could make all this. Is, this game is going to make all the difference in the tournament. Yeah. It will. Um, I think a draw at least will take a lot of the pressure off going into the English, English match, the England match. Um, but a win would really, really help uh, as they catapult themselves forward towards the last two group stage matches. So this is a very, very big match. I am a typically pessimistic person, so I'm not feeling too <laughs> great. Uh, I'm very nervous to watch the game tomorrow. But at the same time, we're at the World Cup. We were not here four years ago. So we have to take joy in that at the very, very least. Um, and That's kind of sad. It it is kind of sad. It is kind of sad, but...
1: That's not great for you.
2: No, it's not It's not great. It was not a good moment. It was not a good moment. We're past it. We're past it. We're past it. It's 2022. It's not 2018 anymore. And we're here. And it should be very interesting. That's what I'll say. It should be very interesting. There's definitely going to be, I'm sure, some twists and turns to this story that we're not expecting.
1: Okay. Well, on that note... Um, To give a little bit of foundation, going into the tournament, Greg Berhalter and Tyler Adams spoke this morning. The head coach has named Tyler Adams captain for the entire World Cup, which is a very odd choice given that the U.S. men's national team style is usually going game by game and naming one individual leader for that particular game. The U.S. men's national team historically has not had one figure to lead throughout much time. Um, I definitely did not think Tyler Adams would be taking that captain's armband. But then again, there's no experienced figure that would take lead in that race. The only player who's seen world cup experience is Deandre Yedlin, but there's nothing assuring him that he will see time on the field. And you really can't have a captain from the bench legally and technically. (laughs) So so there was no uh, significant player, if you want to talk backline, maybe Walker Zimmerman, but even with behind at the goalkeeper, it's still an unsure conversation, though, when announcing the roster and asked, Greg Verhalter said that the team is leaning towards Matt Turner to starting goal as their number one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, previous thoughts led to Zach Steffen, but he didn't even make it to Qatar, so It really was going to be a toss up of who was going to lead in goal and who was going to actually lead the United States. It has since been Tyler Adams. He named him quite um, a great guy, a guy's guy, he said, (laughs) and also um, mature above his years.
2: Well, what I will say what I will say, is Tyler Adams is typically, when healthy and on the U.S. men's national team, the captain of the U.S. men's national team. I think most of the time he wears the captain's armband, at least in qualifying from what I can remember. Um, I, I think he's the perfect choice. I think he's a guy that, out of anyone there, I think he's the most, uh, I think he's probably one of the bigger leaders. I mean, we don't know what goes on inside the locker room. But I think he is one of the bigger leaders on that team. Guys seem to respect him. Uh, guys seem to follow him, uh, follow his lead. He has continuously proven himself at each stage that he has, um, that he has kind of gone to from Bundesliga to Premier League. I think he's the perfect guy. He gels that midfield. He is the heart of that midfield. So I have no problems with it. Um, I don't think that there's anybody else other than maybe Pulisic that you could put out yeah. there, but I wouldn't personally put him as the captain.
1: Oh, wait. Interesting. Why?
2: I don't know. I just, he doesn't seem. He obviously is out, He speaks out when he has to and all that stuff. But I think. That Tyler Adams is more of a leader figure. I don't get the, Uh not that people wouldn't follow Christian Pulisic, but I think that I don't get the vibe that he is captain
1: material. material, I guess. Yeah, I I, guess. I mean, it's
2: it's hard to explain. I, I it's hard to put into words. But when I look at Christian, when I look at the two up against each other, for some reason, Tyler Adams seems more of that captain figure.
1: I mean yeah, I think we should emphasize that the bar is really low because there is not one predominant figure on that team. But yeah, yeah Christian Pulisic is hot-headed and outspoken and whether you're looking for a captain to calm the field, he will not be that guy. But I th- I think
2: the guy, I think the reason you choose Tyler Adams is because if you watch every single US Men's National Team game, Somebody goes down, gets hit with a hard tackle. Tyler Adams is the first guy there to defend him. Tyler Adams is the first guy shouting things out. Like I think Tyler Adams, at least from what we've seen, has shown the most leadership potential out of the entire U.S. men's national team that I can think of off the top. I mean, you barely could figure out who your number nine is, so it's not going to be whoever the number nine is. You don't know who right. your starting goalkeeper is. It's not going to be you know you know it's Matt Turner, but still, um, the back right. line no, yeah. personally is not. I mean, I know their leadership figures on their own teams and I know Walker Zimmerman has a case with his, what he's done off the field and how he's led the charge and certain things off the field. But I think on the field, Tyler Adams is the best choice there. I'm not, I I don't really know who else it would be personally. Well,
1: that's, I think that's my point. I think Greg Berhalter's rotation style has led to Mm -hmm. uncertainty on the field, but now we know that With Tyler Adams as captain, he's most likely to make those three games in the group stage and we don't know, potentially beyond. But heading into this game against Wales, their head-to-head record does lean in favor of Berhalder's side. They've beaten Wales once before and then drawn once. Mm. So Wales has never left a game victorious, which I guess, I mean, friendlies are always friendlies and not mean anything. But... That's where they're headed. And the United States record in the past five games does trump Wales. Wales has not won in their past five games, whereas the US men's national team come in with two victories, three draws, and one loss. And we know that loss was in the friendly against Japan 2 0, which was definitely concerning. Um, they won also in a friendly and in a um, CONCACAF. Nations League match. So they hold the record. It's definitely interesting, but who knows? Who knows? Now, doing starting lineups, I have my thoughts, but I would love to hear yours first. Gino. Okay, Gino's not here. So, (laughs) um, One, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you perfect. No, I hear you. I hear you.
2: One.
1: I hear you. I did before, but not anymore. Not anymore. I did before. I did just like a second ago. No.
0: No. No. No.
2: Can you hear me now
1: oh yeah sorry that was just loud but yes
2: yeah. can you hear me yes okay cool honestly i'm just going to leave it like this so we don't have this interruption again
1: i hear um, you perfectly though
2: okay cool yeah because i don't know what's going on with my mic so where did you leave off when so you-
1: i actually i i made it super super easy for you so in minute i think it was like nine i said um I have thoughts on the starting lineup, but I'd love to hear yours first. So if you literally just go into a starting lineup, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can edit this whole bit out and then we're perfectly fine.
2: Yeah, Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Perfectly so let fine. me do uh I can yeah, I can edit that whole whole part out. That's easy. Um so you that left off really with confusing. I love and I you went on you were like on the screen, right?
1: Yeah, but it was yeah, really I was. weird. <laughs> I didn't know you left. I thought you just zoomed into me. So I was like, Gino.
2: Well yeah, I didn't Gino, know uh <laughs> I didn't know for some reason when I did this, it just brought me up. So.
1: Yeah, no, it brought you up and then it brought me up. Yeah. And then I, I, I didn't know, but um, no, I think it was like minute nine or something.
2: Yeah, No, um, I'll, I'll, find, I'll find it. That's easy. Yeah. Okay. Sounds was, good.
1: So, I'd love to you. hear yours first. So okay. starting lineup.
2: Okay. Sounds good. All right. I'll like, we'll do like a three, two, one and I'll go. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Yeah, so I think that when it comes to the starting lineup for the U.S. men's national team, I think your back line is going to consist of Anthony Robinson on the left. I mm-hmm. think you got your right back situation. Seems like it's going to be Serginho Dest yeah. because it seems like he's healthy. It's going to be Walker mm-hmm. Zimmerman at center back, and it's a matter of who plays next and whether it be Aaron Long or Tim Ream. I think. I prefer um, Tim Ream personally. I would but... prefer I would prefer Tim Ream, I think. Oh okay. Um, I think okay. I would prefer him. I it, it's it's hard cuz I think Tim Ream is more physical, is better alongside Anthony Robinson obviously because he plays yeah. next to him. Obviously there's the factor that he has not played against alongside Walker Zimmerman many times if at all. He has not right. played for the U.S. Men's National Team in last year. But I think Tim Ream is your center back, in my personal opinion. If you bring him in to combat those physical-style players, the Premier League-style players, the, 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 the big thing that was a huge point that Greg Perlter may, may, made was the physicality of the teams that they'll be facing. Right. I think you have to put Tim Ream in there. Obviously, Matt Turner is your starting goalkeeper. Um, as it seems, he's healthy alongside Serginio Dest. In the midfield, I don't think there's any question. I think it's Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams in the midfield okay. three. On the left side, it's Christian Pulisic. In the middle for me, it's Josh Sargent.
1: Okay. Whether
2: Josh Sargent will be the starting striker, who on earth knows? Because
1: Interesting. I
2: can 100% see Greg choosing someone else but I think Josh Sargent is your starting number nine
1: Okay.
2: and on the right side I think it will be probably Gio Reyna. yeah obviously but I wouldn't be surprised if Tim Weah would be featured there I think Gio Reyna's, like if he's looking for something different and he's looking for something speedy or someone who can get in behind the back line then Tim Wea is the guy I think that features there. But again, like I said, I can't imagine it won't be Gio Reyna.
1: Right. I do think Gio Reyna um, is the best option. I think he's one of the U.S. men's national team.
2: Yeah, I think he's one of the best players, too. I I would agree.
1: Um, I think to your point about Tim Reamer, Aaron Long, historically we would think Aaron Long just because of the partnership and the work he's done alongside Walker Zimmerman, but Verhalder has shown through his selection in the World Cup roster that he's favoring individuality over U.S. men's national team history. Though I do want to point out that it contradicts what he said um, in an exclusive interview with us a couple weeks ago, where he said he's definitely putting into balance the history they have together, um, players' ability to mesh well with the team, and club performance to an extent. Um, he did mention that last and made it a point to say U.S. men's national team history is super important to us. We've been monitoring these players at our camps. They've been training together. But obviously, at the omission of Ricardo Pepe, we know that um, to a certain extent that's not true. So I wouldn't be surprised if Team Room comes on. He hasn't seen time with Walker Zimmerman at the back. We don't know if there's a duo there. But he seems to be prioritizing individual moments. And individual performance at this point. So again, not a surprise to me there. So Junior Dust is definitely an interesting figure. We've seen him on and off injuries for a while. Um, so no stability there. It's a little bit concerning because obviously you want kind of a brick wall at the back. And I'm not really sure you're going to get that. You have a couple players, which is definitely interesting with the U.S. men's national team that are considered glass to a certain extent Gio Reyna being one of them Sergio Des being one of them um concerning obviously because this isn't a one-game tournament you have two difficult games ahead I know a lot of people put it past the U.S. men's national team to beat Iran easily I don't think it'll be um such an underestimated victory but that's also concerning. If you play your strongest team and they get injured against Wales, you pretty much have two gaping holes. So that's obviously a huge concern. I, in my starting line, have put Ferreira over Josh Sargent. Historically speaking, we know he plays as the desired number nine. Josh yeah. Sargent hasn't come in in the past, but why did he make the roster? I, he, He's at a great moment right now in his club.
2: I, I just think that – I think personally, Josh Sargent is the best number nine that currently the United States can put up front right now. I don't think that, again, this all stems from, I guess, maybe the way I wish the United States played rather than how they do play, I guess. But Jesus Ferrer has not been solid. I mean, he hasn't scored in his last, what, seven games in regular um in in mls play and hasn't scored in a while for the united states men's national team uh haji wright hasn't even featured for the u.s men's national team uh, more than maybe a a couple times that i can remember Uh, i have to look up exactly i forget what we said but for me josh Sargent is the best number nine i think he is physical up front he knows how to deal with the physical center backs i think he can Attack in a way that's different and better than the other two options. I think he can get ahead on the ball. I think he can pass the ball and use him as a target man. I personally think that Josh Sargent should be the number nine. I think the way he's playing and I think the way that he has uh, proven himself in, in this to make this World Cup team after so much doubt was cast against him. I think Josh Sargent should be your number nine, as we mentioned, who knows what Greg does, but that's my personal opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely concerning, but turning it over to Wales. Again, they come in with no victories in the past five games and they are suffering injuries of their own. Mm -hmm. Um, Allen, who Joe Allen, who we know is likely to make that starting lineup, hasn't played for Swansea since September after nursing um, a hamstring injury. So, And we know, obviously, Gareth Bale has been crucial for LAFC in their final game, but Prior did not feature absolutely at all. So it'll definitely be interesting from their perspective. But to finish off the U.S. men's national team segment, we definitely have some exciting videos. We have Greg Verhalter speaking to us exclusively about what his take is on the tournament.
2: We are really looking at it as two tournaments. You have the group phase, mm-hmm. um, which you need to be in the top two to earn the right to play in the knockout phase. And we can't get ahead of ourselves and, um, and think we're just going to fly into the knockout stage. The group stage is very competitive. Every play, every action matters to the result and, and to you getting through to the next round. So we, we take that first, and then we try to move on to the knockout stage. And once we're there, it gets, it gets fun because anything can happen then. And we know
0: that if we play our best game uh, on that day, we can beat any team in the world. So why not try to keep going and try to uh, keep advancing?
2: Yeah.
1: Interesting words.
2: words. It's been something that he has mentioned multiple times and how he looks at the tournament. And I think it shows in his selection with the talk of the physicality. Again, the teams that he is going to be playing in this World Cup that he knows he's going to be playing – that he knows he has to beat to get to play anybody else. Two of those teams feature a lot of Premier League players, which if you ask a lot of people in the top five leagues in Europe, I would argue that England is probably the most physical of those five leagues, probably. So it shows a lot in his, uh, in his roster choices. It shows a lot in his comments that he's focusing primarily on the group stage, and everything after the group stage to Greg Berhalter seems like a bonus.
1: Yeah, interesting words. Um, on our best day, we can beat anyone in the world. Interesting words from a head coach who tied one-one against El Salvador. But moving on to Mexico. Talk
2: about this. Concacaf is hard. People don't. No, well, we know
1: Concacaf, CONCACAF is hard, hard. but. You tied 1-1 against El Salvador. All right. He
2: says, but can you do it on a cold night in Stoke? Can you do it on a hot afternoon in El Salvador? That's what I'm asking right now. The
1: U.S. men's national team could not. Great point. (laughs) Mexico. um, Just like the United States, they play their most important match in the first round. Um, They play Poland, which will be, again, the deciding factor, make it or break it before they go on to face Saudi Arabia and Argentina in Group C. It's, it's definitely an interesting match in that it's 50-50. It, it can go either way, but it's, it'll be hard. Um,
2: <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't sound so confident over there.
1: I mean, it, it's, not, it's not about confidence. I think Mexico is prepared in the way Poland is going to play, Poland is prepared and knowing what Mexico are going to do to try and hold them back. So to start off, I think we need to address Ljandowski. They do have one of the greatest players at the moment. Um, He went out on a press conference a couple days ago and said, we know what Mexico are going to do. We know players are going to target me. But at the same time, that leaves open space for scoring elsewhere, which does make a good point if they played offensively. We know that their style is to like hold it back, stay at the back, and then at a set piece be extremely lethal. And in a previous episode, we compared their style of play to Sweden, which Mexico lost 2-1 in their last friendly before heading to Qatar, which again, another source of concern. But Landowski, in saying that knows that he's a huge target and everybody everywhere knows that for Mexico, Landowski's is going to be a huge target in the sense that a lot of people say, if you hold him back, there's just 10 more players on the field. But yes, yeah, there's 10 more players on the field. Um, however, it is important to say, Poland has not made it out of the group stage since 1986. Wow. That is rough. There you know, yes.
2: which is interesting what happened in 1986 when were when was did Mexico last host exactly
1: um but at that point i don't know,
2: it was, pretty bad omen my personal opinion.
1: important to say that at that point it was the first the top three um teams in the group stage so that definitely made it a factor that when it changed to two poland oh. simply could not break into that top two um in 2002 and 2006 they failed to make it out of the group stage now, if you want to bring Leandowski into this and say, well, now we have that kind of player. He debuted for Poland in 2008. And important to note that Poland did not qualify for the World Cup in 2010 or 2014. And yep. so it, it definitely becomes an interesting factor. Historically, Poland as a nation does not do well in international tournaments. There's been a lot of speculation and a lot of intention on Leandowski. But as a whole, they have not performed well, which gives Mexico way. Yes, we definitely don't have that one highlight figure to look up to the way that Poland does, but that might just give them the edge. And heading into a potential starting 11, um, I'm going to go for Guillermo Choa, Jorge Sanchez, Cesar Montes, Hector Moreno, Jesus Gallardo in the back line. It's no prediction there. I think we've seen it in the past couple friendlies. That's going to be the back four. When it hasn't been, it's just because Jorge Sanchez has been replaced by Kevin Alvarez because he's been away with Ajax. So when um, Tata Martino opts for like a Liga MX starting 11, that's when Kevin Alvarez comes in. A great second choice. A great second choice. Um, And then the midfield gets a little interesting. Most likely going to be HH Charlie Rodriguez and Luis Chavez. Now, there's been a lot of talk of not including Edson Alvarez, especially um, when it talks about his stature, one of the tallest figures in the men's national team. And when you're talking set pieces, we want him near that goalpost. But I think that the Martino is going to opt for an offensive midfield, knowing that Poland is going to stay back. So having Edson there provides a great defensive opportunity and a great defensive player but if he opts for that offensive style then um he's going to be benched which as far as the question why are you benching arguably one of your best players but different question um and then that top three difficult to say you know but Chucky Lozano, Henry Martin, Alexis Vega there's been a lot of talk obviously about Raul Jimenez I don't think he's um ready Fit enough to start against Poland, which is why Henry Martin is going to come into play. If he is fit, then yeah, he'll start. But if we're talking again, that hierarchy that Gerardo Martino has set forth, it's Raul Jimenez, Henry Martin, Rogelio Funes-Mori. If Raul is not fit enough or not in rhythm enough, we know he's healthy enough from injury. But what we saw against Sweden is he's a little bit off rhythm, missing those runs a little bit back when Chubi was forward. Just the timing is a little bit off, which is normal for a player who hasn't seen the field in several weeks. So mm-hmm. obviously knowing that we know Henry Martin can come into play. He's been in great form for club America scored. I believe it was 12 goals in the regular season, which record great.
2: Good by any standards. Good in any league.
1: Exactly. And though he might not be that associative number nine that Tata Martin always talks about. He is that figure of in. However, we know that if Raul Jimenez doesn't play, our number nine is not that star player to look forward to. We yeah. want Chuki Lozano to thrive on the wing and Alexis Vega, which I personally had said previous occasion that I'm very excited for. I think he's going to seal his move to Europe, but we will see that a little later on.
2: So yeah, just going on to the match yeah. as a whole in terms of the Poland Mexico matchup, I, I think yeah. it's similar to what we will probably talk about in the, in the Canada breakdown. But I think that you got to take advantage of the center backs um, that Poland are going to play. Um, yeah. And I think that creativity would should take precedence over everything else in this situation. Because like you said, Poland is going to sit back, absorb pressure, yeah. hope to counter, hope to get a set piece. There yeah. probably won't be too much attacking on the Polish side.
1: Same right, team. and and Mexico thrives. Yes. Mexi- offensively, that first half against Sweden saw Mexico creative on the front foot, pushing forward, seeing a, opportunities on goal. Um, we missed a couple hitting the goalpost um, and hitting the crossbar. So we, we know Mexico to be offensive. Mm-hmm. We know they can do it. My biggest concern is that Mexico does tend to make those little mistakes defensively, which we know then lead to pieces and Poland can be lethal on especially when you have Nandoski on the ball so that would be the biggest concern there I don't think attacking is going to be an issue for Mexico they're creative on the front foot they can take possession against Sweden I believe it was 70% possession in that first half with several opportunities on goal so they're definitely going to sit back and wait for Mexico to make that one necessary mistake in set piece.
2: Yeah. It'll be interesting because like you said, I mean, it seems like it's not going to be with players like Chucky and the players that Mexico have creativity, creating space, creating yep. those creative balls will not be a, um, a problem. It becomes then right. finishing those creative balls or finish, finishing those creative moves yeah. that then becomes the issue. So that'll be really the focus of this. Can, can Mexico defend set pieces and can Mexico on the offensive end be creative enough and finish those creative chances?
1: Yeah, and to your point, there's also been a theory going around within Mexican national team camp of adding Nestor Araujo over Jorge Sanchez. Now, defensively, Jorge Sanchez is superior. However, Nestor Araujo does power over a lot of players. He His physicality trumps Jorge Sanchez trumps Kevin Alvarez and measures up to Poland. So, speaking about those set pieces, you want a player like Nestor Araujo on the field, which kind of puts into balance well, do you want superiority defending or do you want that towering player <laughs> near your goal um, on those set pieces? Very interesting. He's great with his head. So, there's a lot of choices for Tata Martino. I think we're going to opt for an offensive style of play, benching Eddie Gutierrez, benching Iton Alvarez. And then obviously the question remains, are you benching Raul Jimenez? Many think we will. But I do also want to point out that Mexico are not the only team suffering from injuries and the only team holding on to a player who is not ready for that first game. There's been a lot of talk of only Mexico having Raul Jimenez and hoping and praying that he'll be ready. The World Cup in November has forced injuries to become the main topic of conversation. And we're seeing players drop, unfortunately, like flies heading into their first game. So it's not unique to Mexico. It's interesting. I do think that Martino has a contingency plan, which is why he talks con- consistently about that hierarchy. So not unique to us. Definitely important to point out to the fans that are extremely concerned about Mexico being the only one to suffer injuries
2: yeah I mean we're gonna talk about it in a little bit uh, when we talk about Canada we're gonna talk about we you could talk about it with the United States with the, you know obviously Sergio death says he is ready but who knows if he actually is fully fit um, Luca della Torre is definitely not fit for the first match that was made clear by Greg Burhalter when we spoke to him after the roster announcement so It's not just Mexico. I mean, it's It's everybody With, with the way this world cup is and the timing of it and everything, the amount of games these players have played over the last few years with COVID and everything getting jumbled up, the moving back of the euros, barely having any breaks. Mexico is not the only team dealing with this. And it wouldn't surprise me if we have a kind of crazy tournament because of how many injuries and, even that even now there's still the possibility for injuries in this World Cup due to the workload that these players have right. over the past three years.
1: Yeah, I do want to say though I think Mexico is one of the better prepared teams in terms of injuries. We knew early on that Tecatito was not going to be fit enough to make it into that roster. There's a lot of conversation into why. He was still part of the conversation, whether he was going to make it, whether he wasn't, um, why he was included in that preliminary list. I do think it was a sign of respect by Fernando Martino and the national team staff. He was never going to be fit enough to make it, and no one pretended that he would be. So we found that out very, very early on. Raul Jiménez, again, we knew what we were dealing with, and we had a contingency plan. I don't believe France did with Benzema. Lukaku, we also just found out he's out. Mane with Senegal. There's so many starting figures that have been dropped from their roster. And I don't think, normal, but I don't think these teams had a contingency plan for that. So that leaves Mexico prepared. Whether that makes it better or worse, I don't know. But at least they were (laughs) prepared.
2: That's all that really matters, though, right? You know, that's all that really matters. Does it,
1: does it? I think winning matters.
2: Well, the winning, before the winning, I think the only win thing the that matters win. is having the contingency plan to, to, for all possible worst-case scenarios. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, sorry for the ringing, constant ringing on my end, if you can hear that over there. My friends who do not watch soccer consistently, uh, one of my buddies just uh, texted me the exact... The exact text was, um, are we going to be good at the whole soccer thing? Uh, so, well, come
1: uh, to tune in, and we will discuss <laughs> it all.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll have to turn them on to the podcast. But, uh, but yeah, so no uh, yeah. going back to Mexico and away from the dinging. Um, yeah, I mean, I think having the contingency plan is going to help Mexico. Uh, hopefully – Raul Jimenez can start, but if he or can play at least um, a significant role off the bench for yeah. the American national team, but we will not know until these games start. We can talk and talk and talk, but it will not matter because whatever happens Tuesday for the Mexican national team and after that,
0: yeah. It's going to happen,
2: and we can't do anything about it. So. No,
1: I don't predict a clean sheet from either side, though. Um, I no. definitely think it'll be a 2-1 situation. Historically, though, if Mexico receives that first goal, it takes a hit on the mood and the atmosphere on the pitch. Mexico is a very passionate team, but it goes both sides. It can either hinder or it can help. But, again, it's a make-or-break-it it game, just mm-hmm. like it is for the United States against Wales. Now, yeah. Canada, it's a little bit different because expectations are on the floor and they made their first World Cup since 1986, giving them just fun at this World Cup. They, they made it, they are a dark horse. John Herman, their head coach has talked continuously about their ability to be that dark horse, um, their expectations, what they want to do. At the World Cup, I think internationally, no one is expecting Canada to shine through, especially barring all these injuries that they've had to go through and plan for. You know, goalkeeping situation is not great. But, Gino, lead us through Canada and MNT. What can we expect against Belgium?
2: Yeah, so, I mean... I think the beauty of this Canadian men's national team is the fact that they don't literally, there's not one person in the entire world that is expecting them to get out of this group. So they're there. They're going to go, they're going to play the way they play. And they're going to go out there with the free spirit of not having any pressure on them to perform. They, it seems will not have Alfonso Davies. It doesn't seem like he will be fit for at least the first match.
0: He's still dealing
2: with a hamstring injury, which those are always very tricky. Um, So who knows what capacity he plays in. Uh, John Herdman has made a point of saying uh, yesterday, he said that, you know, they did, they performed very well without Alphonso Davies in the CONCACAF qualifying stages um, going five, two and zero in the time that he was absent from the matches that he uh, could not participate in because he was ill. Um, So, Alfonso Davies not having him may not be a make or break in terms of I guess the results, the final results it may not make a difference not having him but having Alfonso Davies obviously changes a lot for this Canadian men's national team because he is without a doubt the best player on the yeah. team. Um so They'll be without him. There's new injury news as well now. As we know, Maxime Cropot is not on the roster because of the injury he suffered during the uh, MLS Cup final. It seems now that it's possible that their starting goalkeeper, Milan Borjan, will not or may not be available as well. He's dealing with a little bit of a knock. So uh, that's an update that was provided yesterday. And then Canada's most creative midfielder. Uh, Steven Estakio, or Eustakio, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that, so I apologize. But he is their most creative midfielder, and it's possible that he will not be available as well as he also picked up a knock. So a lot of, as we mentioned, yeah, a lot of injury problems for a lot of different teams. You know, Canada up there with the worst of them. You think about France <laughs> with Conte and Paul Pogba and Benzema just recently. So uh, Canada's already suffering some setbacks yeah but as i mentioned they're, they're just happy to be here i think i think they're just happy yeah. to be here i don't think this is a world cup where anybody expects them including themselves they can go into this match like i said free of any expectations or pressure because if they go and they win a game and tie a game and end up on four points i think 95 percent of the world will say wow they've really performed well at this world cup with morocco Croatia, and Belgium, the other three teams in their group. Um, yeah, it's
1: a difficult group. Also important, they didn't even plan, people plan can... a World Cup kit. During yeah, the, qual- yeah. the CONCACAF qualifying cycle, their own organization didn't even think they would make it through. Exactly. Um, but back to the goalkeeping situation, I think we think Dane St. Clair is going to step in, Minnesota United's goalkeeper. Yes. He, during the regular season, did... Well, he managed a significant number of clean sheets. They did not make the playoffs. Wasn't obviously entirely Dane St. Clair's fault, but we've seen him to be a decent goalkeeper. He has two caps, I believe. You said with yeah, um, he has the two Canadian
2: caps for, for the for the Canadian men's national team, as far as I have seen. So, um,
1: all right. Well, like an, a newish um, figure, which wouldn't be unique to the World Cup. We see Luis Van Gaal, the Netherlands head coach, call up a lot of new figures. Xavi Simmons is coming in to that team without ever having played a senior match with Netherlands. So, doesn't necessarily mean a bad omen, but as you said, they are very happy to be there. They're the underdogs. If they do manage to walk out with four points, no one will bat an eye, but celebrate. So, the expectations mean a lot. Whereas, for Mexico we know the expectations are nearly impossible and for the US men's national team it does mean round of 16 and then from there i think everybody will be content but yeah. for so here,
2: have- yeah for here it's not you know there's there's not which is great i would love to have like i personally when teams in my personal opinion when teams don't have that pressure that's a lot of the time when they can perform to their fullest potential so Um, it'll be very interesting to see Canada. Uh, Dane Sinclair is the only other goalkeeper currently on the roster that has any caps. Um, James, uh, Pantsimus, it does not have any caps for the Canadian men's national team. As far as I have, um, as far as the research that I did, uh, stated. So I would assume it's going to be Dane Sinclair. I think he, he, like you said, he had a good season in the MLS. He made the all-star team which was great. Um, you know, he, he performed well. How that translates to the world cup is a different story. Obviously national team is a different story than the MLS. You don't get as much time to train. You don't get as much time to work that relationship and that chemistry with those other yeah. players. So, um, well,
1: yeah, I think it, it'll definitely be interesting across CONCACAF nations. Now we're going to be hosting the real football show after Every round of games. So U.S. plays first, then Mexico, then Canada. And then we'll meet up to talk about all the action that we saw during that first round of matches.
2: I think we're also going to be doing some previews beforehand on Twitter as well. So if you see this little ticker at the bottom here, it says where our Twitter is and where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So stay tuned on both those because we'll have that. Uh, before we wrap up the Canadian men's national team talk, though, real, real quick on mm-hmm. their game with Belgium I think it's important to note that they're going to have to utilize their speed up front yeah. to um, find any sort of way through against this Belgian national team. Uh, they'll have The Belgian national team is the oldest team at the World Cup. They have old, aging, slow center backs. So utilizing their speed up front is very important for Canada in this match. And then defensively, the creativity of the middle five for Belgium is going to be the... End all be all of Canadians' defense.
1: <laughs> Definitely interesting. Yes, but yeah. Um, also, if you have any questions, feel free to leave that in the comments or reach out to us on Twitter.
2: Yes, please do. We don't have our Twitter things on here, and I haven't figured out how to add them. But um, if you, you know, if you go on, you, you'll find us. <laughs> you can find us <laughs> if you go on the last episodes; they're on there.
1: <laughs> um. But yeah. Stay tuned and we'll be back to recap all the information. See you next time.